Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Well, good morning, Your Place Church. How's everyone doing today? Glad you guys are here. With our new Freedom uh, Life Group semester is uh, the launch of all of our life groups. And again, we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. Uh, it's, about, it's not just about rows. Rows are great. That's what you're in today. It's about circles. We think life change happens in circles. And so that's why we push life groups around here. A lot of people are like, well, what is a life group? A life group is simply, for those of you who may be more familiar with a traditional style of church, it's like Sunday school, but smaller in homes. That's, what, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, we realize that life groups are one of the key components to our discipleship, to just honestly the life of Your Place Church. And with our new life group semester starts a new fall ministry series that we're starting in September that we're calling Spice It Up. And uh, on, your, on your chairs today, we, uh, we provided everybody with a spice rub, okay? This is not to rub on your spouse. That's not the type of spice we're talking about with this particular rub, all right? This is actually for whatever chicken you're smoking later, okay? Or whatever, grill something. That's what this is. But, but, the, but the, it's symbolic of, you know, some of us, we need a little paprika in our relationship. We need a little cayenne pepper, you know what I mean, to spice it up around our home. And all of us know somebody that could use a little spice up in their relationship. And so take these. These are the invites, all right? So don't, you won't get to taste the rub, unfortunately, unless they invite you over. This is the invite. It's got our service times on it. Just, it'll be fun. We're always trying to find ways to give as a church, not just receive. Most people think about church, and they're, they're like, church just wants my money. They just want my money. No, we want to give stuff away, which is why next week we're going to have available 50 $50 gift cards to you guys to take and to go invite someone who probably doesn't have a church-like family that they belong to or that they worship at, and you know they desperately need a date. Now... I know several of you are in the room, you're like, well, I kind of desperately need a date. Can I just use the gift card on me? Well, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? So take the gift card, take the spice packet, give them away to people, and invite them to our series starting in September. And because we're a church-like family, hey, go on a double date, you know what I mean? Invite them. To give them the gift card, say, hey, we want you to go on a date. In fact, we're going, you know, Thursday night to, you know, hang out. You pay for your meal. Like, can I get two gift cards? One for me, one for them? No, all right? The whole point of the gift card is an outreach to invite people to a church that's like a family that we believe we have a message that's going to change their lives. Amen, everyone? Tyra and I... There's a lot of things that the Lord has blessed us with, but one of the things that we know that we have found some success in is in the area of marriages. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, so we're, we're really putting a focus on this. And with that, the number one compliment we get as a, as a church is how friendly we are. I mean, everybody's like, man, I went to that church. Everybody there was like happy. Everybody there was smiling from the people in the, you know, greeting me in the parking lot all the way to the kids' workers. And so we recognize that. 
We recognize the importance of all you who serve on our greeters teams, all you who serve in our ushers, our hospitality teams, back in kids' ministry. It's a big deal to us. But over the summer, we've had a little bit of a, um, people have been, they've gotten out of the habit of serving in some of those roles, specifically for third service and sometimes first service. And so what we're asking is we're asking all of our church-like family to help create this next series and make it something big. We're, we're looking for people to serve in our greeters teams. We're looking people to serve with our ushers. I don't know if you've, if you've been like some, uh, some of us. We'll show up like right in the middle of the first song. Our eyes are adjusted to the sunlight. We walk in the church. It's, really, it's, it's, it's dimmer in the audience, but it's bright up here. And people are looking for a place to see. It's a little awkward. How cool would it be if we had two ushers back there, two ushers here, two ushers here that knew where all the seats were and had a little flashlight and could be like, hey, I've got two right here and just help people find chairs. This series of all the series we do throughout the year is the one where most people will attend. And so we need all the chairs out and we need them all full. And so I'm looking for a handful of people, greeters, ushers, and hospitality people to help serve um, just during the series. It's not a life sentence, okay? It's not, it's not forever unless you love it, and then we'd love for you to continue on that team. So I did this last service. I'm going to do it this service. Is there, is there, you know, three, four, five people that would be interested in serving as greeters or ushers? Just put your hand up right here, right here, a few over here, a few over here. Great. All of you with your hands up and all the ones that are like, I really want to put my hand up, but I'm not. All of you people, if you will just meet uh, our hospitality our first impressions people after service out at the outlet, they'll show you what door you're on, they'll show you, they'll train you real quick, and they'll get you on a schedule um, for this next series. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It means a lot to me. We are wanting to create an experience that people look forward to coming to. Amen, everyone? We are in week three of a series that we have entitled Freedom, and uh, we're asking the question today, what does freedom look like to you? What does freedom look like to you? And after doing first service, I realized that this was probably more, this message today was probably a better fit for a last Wednesday service. We, like the Spirit of, the, the Spirit of God rolled in here last service, and I actually felt like I needed more time with the people. So all of you who showed up and there was not parking, I apologize, that was my fault. Uh, I kept the people too long. I'm not going to be able to do that, but I do feel like the Lord wants to do something fairly significant last Wednesday in this area. So I'm going to give you some tools today. I'd invite you to open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. Have you ever been going along in life and it seems like you just hit a wall? You know what I mean? Maybe that your relationships are great and then all of a sudden out of nowhere there's this tension. Or maybe in your business, your marketplace, your careers, you're going along and then boom, all of a sudden insecurity hits you. Like all of a sudden you're like, I, I don't know why I feel this way. I feel uneasy. I feel unsure. Or maybe we can be talking about your relationship with God. Everything's been great. And then all of a sudden a sin that you used to deal with just comes back from your past and, and it knocks you off your feet. We see something similar happen in the life of King Solomon. The first 10 chapters of 1 Kings is really a glimpse of the first 20 years of King Solomon's reign as king over Israel. I mean, in those 10 chapters in 20 years, he's built the temple of the Lord. 
I mean, what an honor. The, uh, his father, David, wanted to build the temple, but God told him, you're not, you're not the one to do it. Your son Solomon is. And so he's built the temple. God has blessed him. In fact, we see how successful Solomon is right here in, in chapter 10, verse 27. The Bible says the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. I mean, you're just walking by, oh, look, a chunk of silver. Stick it in your pocket so nobody will hawk it, Right? That's, what, that's what's happened. This, and cedar is plentiful as sycamore trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Ku. Uh, they imported a chariot from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a, and a horse for 150. In other words, it's kind of giving you a little bit of a glimpse. Like Solomon's not trying to get a deal just because he's king. He's paying market value and then some to have it imported. You will see that he not only bought himself a nice new car, he bought all the kings in the regions around him a nice new car, right? Chariot was the car of the day. And so we see how God blessed him, which consequently God wants to bless you as well. Can I have an amen? But chapter 11, verse 1, after reading everything that Solomon has done in the last 20 years, we get to verse 1 of chapter 11. King Solomon, however... King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters. And then it begins to describe all of these different tribes of the women that he began to have a crush on, fall in love with. They were from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them. This was not a race deal. It wasn't talking about race. People try to make this into a racism thing. It was not about that at all. It was about being equally yoked, because look what he said, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. But look what the scripture says, nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. And if you finish the story of King Solomon, this was his downfall as a king. 20 years of serving God, 20 years of all of this amazing blessing and there was a however, there was an issue in his life that all of a sudden he came up against and he fell away from it. He fell away from everything that God had called him to do. And I'm convinced, convinced inside of every one of us there is a however that if we're not careful, it has the potential to be the ruin of our dream, of our legacy. It will compromise our integrity and so this week, I want to spend a few minutes, and I want to, I want to allow the Holy Spirit to, to recognize any areas of however in our own lives. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Now, what happens in the next few minutes is greatly dependent upon you. And I want you to believe God with me for utterance. How you respond... It, 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 a communicator can study as and hard and as long as he wants, but it's all dependent upon the hearer what happens in the next few minutes. So you have more to play in this next few minutes than I do. So turn your, turn your faith on, lean into the message, and see how the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. Can you believe God with utterance for me? Father, we thank you right now for utterance in the Spirit. An ability, Father God, to identify and recognize every single person in the room, their story, every single person watching online and their story. 
and every single person who's listening to this message after the fact and their story. God, you're the God who, who can do that. So, Father, we pray for utterance. We extend our faith right now, Father God, and we allow your spirit to direct us. You're the teacher, not me. So, Father, we love you. We lean into this message right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that every one of us are on what my friend, uh, Pastor Matt Keller, refers to as a spiritual continuum, if you will. And it looks like this. I mean, basically, there's this, there's this point where we fall in love with Jesus, and we're all either becoming more like God, or let's face it, there are seasons where, if we're going to be honest, we're becoming less like God. And hopefully... And this is talking about our heart conditions. Hopefully, most of us in the room, if not all of us, have a desire to become more like God. That's why we're here this weekend. That's why we're excited about our life group season that's starting. That's why we're reading our one-year Bibles together. That's why we're actively involved in each other's life. That's why we're church-like family, because our arrow is pointed to becoming more like God. But without a fail in every one of our lives, there will come this point. It'll be a threshold. It'll be a, a, I like to refer to it as a D point or a decision point in life where you will have a choice to make. And the choice will be, I will either respond in this moment in faith or I'm going to respond in fear or out of the flesh. And that threshold, I call this threshold of faith. It's, it's we're cruising along, becoming more like God, and all of a sudden, it's like the floor drops out from underneath of us. And it's like we're suspended in air. This is my stick person. This is you. This is a, this is a portrait of you that I drew today. It looks just like you, in my opinion, okay? And we're, we, our goal, our heart, our passion, and our desire, because our arrow, all of us, is pointed to to be more like God is to be able to make it over this season where it feels like the bottom has just fallen out of our life. And we're going to talk about what that season looks like because you'll know it when you're there because your temptation is going to be whatever it is, if it's a relationship, if it's something that's happening in your workplace, if it's something that's happening uh, in your finances, your temptation is going to be to respond in one of two ways, in faith or in fear or out of the flesh. And you can tell when you're, when you're doing the, the negative one because pride begins to rear its head. You begin to hold your head up and say, well, no. It's my way, right? Uh, fear comes in. You have that sense of kind of a oh-no feeling, especially if it's something that God's asking you to do. You have this sense of fear. Insecurity may, may well up. And some of us, we're not so familiar with insecurity to know that we're feeling insecure. You saw the young lady in the video talk about how she, she dealt with some insecurity issues. Well, that is a, that's, that's, that's an opportunity to recognize what's happening finger-pointing, excuse-making, overreacting. And really what we have found out is when we overreact, it's really undealt with pain from our past. And the way I, I like to say it is, if our, any, how did I write it down? When your reaction to a certain action that's done to you is an overreaction, it's undealt with pain. 
when your reaction to an action is an overreaction, that's undealt with pain, and we've learned to see it. We've learned to, 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 to spy it out. When I was uh, in my 20s, I was an ASC certified uh, auto mechanic, auto technician, and I worked uh, for a company that was a, it was a large maintenance facility, and we would service all of the vehicles there. And I had a boss, and it was great. We're all Christian dudes, and uh, we would all, like, this guy was just a super, super fun guy to be around. He would sing, he would laugh, he'd laugh at himself, you know what I mean? He'd crack a joke, and he'd laugh harder than anybody else did. Like, he was just a really happy, fun guy. And um, we were, I can remember, you know, he was, one of the, he was a king of one-liners, you know what I mean? He would say uh, crazy lines like, uh, that's lower than a snake's belly in a wheelbarrow rut. You know, like he would, he'd have all these little colloquial expressions that would just make us all laugh all the time. And we enjoyed being around him. But one day he got called to the office, right? And the, the, the manager over the entire maintenance facility, I don't know what happened. The only thing I know is he came back from that meeting and he was different. He was very down. He was uh, very uh, disappointed. I wasn't singing, wasn't laughing very sulking, um, quiet, somewhat cynical. And he's not a cynical person. Became very passive-aggressive. You know what it means to be passive-aggressive, right? It's like backhanded compliments, sarcasm, blaming others, avoiding direct communication. So this went on for a few days. And, like, he is just mad. And I'd never seen him mad before. And something had happened in that meeting, and it triggered something inside of him. And it was, it was, he was overreacting. It was undealt with pain. Something had happened in his past, and whatever happened in that meeting triggered something inside of him. And this happened for a couple of days, and the big boss came down and, and knew it. I don't know how he found out about it, but someone told him about it. And it was just me, my, my boss, who's... who's whatever, dealing with undealt with pain, and the big boss are in the, in the, on a mechanic shop. And I'm over just kind of doing my own thing, kind of watching what's going on. And I see the boss telling, he's like, listen, I can't, you can't walk around like this. Like, what's wrong with you? Talk to me. What's going on? Don't worry about it. Short answers. Don't worry about it. Well, listen, if this is going to be the way you're going to be, I can't have you here right now. He took the ratchet that he was working on, ratchet wrench. He took it, he threw it just as hard as he could against the metal shelves that was up against the wall, and he walked out. Overreaction. So any action that's done to you, that's an overreaction, is undealt with pain. Walked out. And I'm like, I guess there's a new sheriff in town. You know what I mean? It's like... I'm, Guess I'm the guy, you know, I don't know. It was a couple of days he was gone. And then he came back, and I could tell that he had a meeting with the boss, and, and everything was fine. But that kind of response is an indicator of undealt with pain. People all the time, well, I just have anger issues. No, you have undealt with pain. There is something in your life that causes you to act or respond or overreact that way, and we're going to get to the bottom of it right here right now. And the only way I can do this is to illustrate this for you. So, so we all have a heart, right? Isn't this a, a, a cute heart? This is what your heart in your chest really looks like. It looks just like this. 
I don't know what the medical, you know, professionals think, like that pump with the smokestacks coming out. That's, this is what your heart looks like, okay? And here's what happens, you know, the Bible's plan for you is that your heart would be clean, it would be pure. In fact, the psalmist said, create in me, Lord, a pure heart, right? That's what we want. We want a pure heart. We want a heart that's blameless before God. But what, what all too often happens, is, and we don't even know it for some of us until someone says something or does something to trigger this, but there's these, this wall of hurts that have built up over time. And you don't even realize it, but it, there's a separation between you and the people you love. There's a separation between you and your coworkers. And honestly, if these things continue to build up, this wall will create a separation between you and God. Now, you may give him lip service, you may show up to church, but deep down on the inside of you, there is a wall there, and you may not know it, and it is a wall of hurt. And, and the byproduct is fear, it's, it's finger pointing, it's overreacting, it's anger, that's the byproduct, that's how you know it's there. Well, all of that is because somewhere, someplace, somehow, someone in your life created a wound in your heart. And this wound could have happened a long ago. It could have happened 10 minutes before you got here today. But it wounded you. Someone said something or did something to you. And that wound is now what you're walking around with. And if you are, that's the undealt with pain, this wound. And anytime somebody says something just right, what's really happening is they're pushing on that wound and it's causing a reaction. And it's causing an overreaction. But here's what we don't recognize is this wound, because we're not dealing with it, over time will create what's called a stronghold in your life. And it's like this little straw that's funneling hurts into your heart. And it's coming in by way of that wound. And a stronghold is just like the word says. It's got a strong hold on you. And until we deal with it, it will always be an access point to fears and lies into your life. It'll come in through the wound, but it'll come in via that stronghold in your life. Some fears and lies that you may be believing is, um, is this thought that, you know what, uh, this fear of rejection. It's unmet expectations in your life. Did anybody see the show, I Can Only Imagine? Did anybody see that? Talking about Mercy Me, right? The band Mercy Me. Bart Miller from the movie. If you, if you saw the movie, remember when the very first um, record producers turned him down? And all of a sudden, he started flashing back to his dad saying, don't chase your dreams. Remember that? Your mom left us. She didn't want you. What was that? That was the original wound. And so when they were telling him, you're, we just don't think you're ready yet, all of a sudden, there was a stronghold in his life. And what was his overreaction? I quit Mercy Me. I quit the band. And he walks out. That was an overreaction. It's a stronghold hold in our life. What's yours? What's yours? What is the button that when someone steps on it or triggers it, you respond? Or maybe you, you, you recluse. Maybe you draw away from everybody because they got a little too close to a hurt 
got a little too close to a pain in your life. Well, fear of rejection is one of those. The, the lie is, I'm not wanted. A fear of insignificance, I don't really matter. In other words, my feelings don't matter. No one really cares about me. I'm not important. A fear that some people are believing is this fear of failure that says, I'm just not good enough. And at its core, it believes if you were given an opportunity, you would just fail at it. That's a lie because God has created you perfect. Amen? God has created you blameless, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Fear of betrayal. These people, they've been violated. And at its core, people are actually believing. The lie that they believe that the devil is pouring in through that stronghold into your heart is you have no value. You have no value is what you believe. This is, this is why some people feel like I'm expendable. Most people, a lot of people who struggle in this area, this is where we get the statistic of one in three girls and one in five boys have been sexually mistreated by someone who's very close and familiar to them. It's this betrayal thing. And it's this fear that I've been violated. Um, fear of abandonment. I've been left alone. And at its core, it believes that every time you get close to someone, you will be left alone. So your best response is just to avoid people. These are all fears that the devil's trying to pour in through that stronghold into your life and getting you to believe lies. It's interesting, when Tyra and I, we were scheduled to fly to um, Fort Myers, Florida uh, the, in October. Well, for those of you who remember, our little, our little grandson, Kaya, was born last year. And uh, he's, he's a week old, and we have to leave. And Tyra is walking around feeling guilty. She doesn't want to leave Taylor and Bailey. She doesn't want to leave them. She's like, I can't believe we're going. Like, they need us. And really what it was, like, Taylor and Bailey were fine. Kaya was fine. But she was dealing with guilt from her past because as a young girl, she was left home alone a lot. And she, the guilt was this fear of abandonment. She did not... She did not want Taylor and Bailey to feel like they were left alone. Did not want to feel, and really what it was, it was something that was a stronghold in her life. And she had to, she had to find freedom in that area. Amen. And so that's what happened. And so we have to recognize when we have a choice. We have to recognize when God, as we're pursuing to become more like Him, we have to recognize what's going on when we feel like the bottom falls out from underneath of us. And the biggest thing that we have to do in a season like this is we have to trust God with this. See, your, your natural understanding, your natural gifts and talents will not take you through a season when you're going through a threshold of faith in your life. Your, your gifts, your natural abilities won't get you through. It's only the, the power of God that will get you through. And there's really three things that you can do in a season like this to get you through. Number one, you have to face your fears. Face them. Face the lies. When you feel that, un, that uneasiness, you have to face it. The Bible says in Psalm 55... Cast your cares on the Lord. Why? Because He will sustain you through a season of growth. 
He will sustain you through a season as you're passing over this threshold of faith in your life. The Bible says he will never, everybody say never, never let the righteous be shaken. We got to face that fear. We got to face those lies. I love what Andy Stanley, I just read this last week. He says this, when there's something hard that we face, the only way through it is through it. So many times we avoid it, or so many times we look around a tough situation in our life, but Andy says the only way to through it is to go through it, and as much as we try, we can't go around things. We have to go through them, and if we choose to run to them, then they don't last as long. They're never as hard as we think they are, and the outcome is never what we role-played in our head that it would be. Are you with me, friends? we got to face those fears we got to face those lies that we've been believing. And then the second thing that we've got to do is we've actually genuinely, not just saying we're going to, but in our heart, we've got to trust that God fights our battles. God will get us through every single time. We have to embrace this trust thing. The Bible says in Proverbs, the fifth chapter, I'm sorry, the third chapter, verse five, trust in who? The Lord. In fact, he says, with all your heart. Don't just say, oh, I'm just trusting God with this. And on the inside, you're just quivering and shaking and being like, I don't know. No, you actually got to trust God with all your heart. And this is the big one. Lean not unto your own understanding. Why? Because it's full of lies and fears. Are you with me? Because you've recognized there's something in your past that's created this wound, this stronghold. And if I trust my own understanding, then I'm role-playing how this thing's going to go down. That's why the Bible says you can't trust your own understanding. you got to trust God to get you through a season like this. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Straight through the fear. Straight through the lies. Straight through the, the, the stuff that you've been believing. Straight through the pain. He'll, make it, he'll, he'll get you the quickest way through it if you'll trust him. If you'll trust him in this season of your life. The third thing that you have to do is you have to rebuke the fear. Rebuke. That's like a big religious word, isn't it? Rebuke. <laughs> I rebuke you. It's like taking your glove off and, <laughs> you know what I mean? We have to rebuke fear. Here's, listen, some of you think this is corny. And you don't think there's any power in this, but I'm about to show you where there's power. The Bible says if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Well, how do you resist the devil? No. Every time Jesus resisted the enemy, words came out of his mouth. I rebuke you, devil. Get out. Amen? Amen. You got to use your words. Let's do this. This will be good. Say this out loud with me. I rebuke the fear of failure. Now say it like you mean it. I rebuke the fear of failure. 
in Jesus' name. Satan, you will not convince me that I'm not good enough. I will not carry that spirit of fear any longer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You feel different, don't you? Amen. Anytime fear comes, that's your response. No. Your coworker's going to be like, what's he doing? Back in your office, flipping tables and kicking trash cans. I rebuke you, devil. Oh. But it works. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then recognize that this is a season of trust, not just a one-time event. When God's, when you feel like the fall, the, the floor has fallen out underneath of you, and you are just walking by faith, your response is by faith. You're, you're, you're going after the thing that's been stirred up on the inside of you. You've rebuked the fear. Are you with me? You're trusting God and you're actually trusting God with it. You'll make it. You'll make it to the other side. But see, that's the problem. Most of us, we get to this place and we feel the floor drop out from underneath of us and we go scraping back for the other side. We go back to what we used to. We go back to our manipulation. We go back to our anger. We go back to what, what got people to respond to us last time when realizing we're forgetting that there's something there that's causing me to be this way. Trust me, your family wants you to deal with this. Your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, they want you to deal with this. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in this moment. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Like he's got a genuine question. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Don't they come from you role-playing how this thing's going to end? Don't they come from you uh, remembering your past or wound, something that happened to you, and now you're overreacting? These battles from within, the Bible says. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. That's an overreaction. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Also an overreaction. Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. Resist the temptation to feel super insecure right now. Resist the temptation to step out in fear. And you don't just, like, you know. Sometimes you got to give yourself a little pep talk. I will be strong. God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What are you doing? You're, you're resisting fear, and you're trusting God, and he'll carry you through a season of trust just like that. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It doesn't say he may. It says he will. He will flee from you. Come near to God, and he, he'll come near to you. He's on the other side of this threshold of faith in your life going, come on, son. Come on. 
Come on, daughter. You can do this. Come on. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. Come on. Don't look at the fear. Don't look at your past. Don't, come on. Come, come to me. Let me heal you. Let me deal with that issue in your life. For Solomon, this was a guy that you had no idea. 20 years. And all of a sudden, there was something down inside of him. There was this however that he just did not deal with. And he didn't respond well to it. And it ended up being his downfall. Solomon today, if he could have a conversation with you, he would say, listen, deal with your however, like seriously. So here's my question, and I don't have time to do this today, and I'm so, so sorry. I would love to lead you through freedom right now. That's why last Wednesday is going to be incredible for us as a church, like family. Be here for last Wednesday. You'll get set free from some stuff. Holy Spirit has already impressed upon us during first service. Changed my message from last Wednesday to something that he wants to do here. But I do want you to recognize it. I do want you to recognize it. What was it for you? Had a guy meet me out in the foyer after service, last service, and he says, I, I have a fear of failure. I have a fear of failure. And I'm like, where, where did it start from? He's like, I, I couldn't fail my dad. As a little kid, I, it was my dad. Like, I had to, I had to perform. I had to perform. And I would do things to make him happy, and he would say things like, well, it's about time. It's about time. I'm glad you're, I mean, you're a little slower than the rest. I'm, I'm glad you finally got that one figured out. And it was a wound in his heart. And right after service, I'm in the foyer. I'm leading this guy through freedom right here. I said, go back to that moment when your dad said that. What did, what did you wish he would say? I wanted him to say, boy." I wanted him to be proud of me, right? Well, you probably felt alone in that moment, but I want you to know that Jesus was right there with you. And this is what Jesus said in that moment. I'm proud of you. You did it. And I knew you could because I wired you that way. I mean, instantly tears begin to come down his life and we just kind of have this moment where we pray. He found freedom. Amen, everyone? What is it for you? What did they say to you? Who was it? What did they do? Go back to that place. What did you wish they would say? Because, you know, in that moment comes forgiveness. And some of you, you just kind of need to say, Lord, I forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know that they were causing this wound in my life. They had no idea that this would be a stronghold that I had to deal with. And then when you get past that, hear what Jesus said to you in that moment. Because the Bible says he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. What Jesus wanted to do for you in that moment is he wanted to tell you exactly what you wanted to hear because that's the way he's wired you. And he speaks life into you. And something about that process just, just yanks that stronghold out and makes that wound heal up. Amen? Can I pray with you? Father, we pray for every single person in this room, every single person who's watching online, every single person who's listening to the podcast, Father. God, that you would begin to identify these moments, Father, where these wounds happen. Maybe something said, something done, Father. Maybe very familiar, very familiar hands in unfamiliar places, God. And it created a wound. And God, I pray that you take them back to that moment right here, right now. And you bring healing in their life. 
You change the outcome, Father. Let forgiveness flow in Jesus' name. Amen. I got one more scripture for you. It's not going to be on the screen, I don't think, unless the guys did it after last service. Galatians chapter 5 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In other words, it's for the sake of you living free that Christ set you free. Now look what he says after that. After you're free, after you recognize you're free, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by that yoke of bondage, of slavery. And when you find out who you are in Christ, you, when, when insecurity comes, you can say, nope, I'm loved by God. I can do all things through Christ. Don't, don't, don't let yourself go back. Don't let, people walk in their bondage all their life. They wear it like a badge of honor. Well, I was abused. Hey, listen, that's hard, and I get that. But it's for freedom that Christ set you free from that. Dealt with that wound. Don't go back. Don't, let, don't, don't wear that as a badge of honor. Let God heal you from that. Amen, everyone. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.